So we're continuing our series called Be the Church. And um, remember this series, I, I, the, the point, the big point that I want to get to as we talk about lots of different aspects is that the, the church is always about people. When you read about the church in the Bible, it's always about people. Right now, we're the church gathered corporately. Uh, when you leave the facility here in a little while, you're still going to be the church. You'll just be the church on mission. So that never changes. And the idea is to move away from church being something that we do to understanding that church is who we are. It's, it's, that's what it's all about. We're the church. And so that's a 24-7 thing. And, um, and so because it's about people, it's about relationships. Uh, it's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God and also our relationship with the future people of God. And we're looking at those relationships now in the context of discipleship and uh, fellowship mission and worship. And so we've talked about being a disciple and what that means. And now last week we just started to talk about fellowship and we're going to continue on in that today. So that's the intro transition. I always do a bad joke or two. These were quite bad, but I'm, I, I like them. You, you might hate them as the other groups have. So I found a little, you know, part-time summer job earning a little extra money by sprinkling tiny drops of water every morning on the front yards of really wealthy people. Uh, I don't earn much, but I make do. If you don't get it, have someone explain it to you. It's worth it. Singing in the shower is all fun and games until you get shampoo in your mouth. And then it's a soap opera. Okay, I, pretty sure I should drop this one, but I'm trying to see if I can find a group that likes it. A pun walks into a room and suddenly the ten people in the room die. Pun in, ten dead. <laughs> now you got, okay. Pun in, ten dead. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, apologies to the visitors and moving on to the scripture reading here on purpose. First Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. The, the, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, great analogy that Paul is giving us here. 
about, you know, being a part of the body. And I, I, you know, I told you last week I had that little illustration where uh, I had dropped a frozen bag of eggs out in the kitchen on my toe and my toe broke. And uh, this toe right here and it hurt and it's been black and blue all week. And uh, I, I really can tell you up until that point in time, I can't remember being appreciative of my toes. Um, but that one toe, it, it's, you know, it is, in comparison to the rest of me, it's not very much to talk of. I don't know how much it weighs. I don't really want to know because I don't know how you would figure that out. But um, it hurts. And it, it's impacting everything on me. Uh, we, we, uh, we, had the, we had fun. We took a, my son and I took our, two, of our, two of my grandchildren, his oldest son and Sarah's oldest son. We took them to the football game this week up at Miami. They had a pregame. It's kind of fun to watch. And pregames are mellow, so it's a, it's a good atmosphere. But you have to park a long way away from the stadium. So it was a two-mile walk to the stadium and then two miles back. And I had a broken toe. And so, you know, timing is everything, right? And so as I'm walking, not only does my toe hurt, but now my heel starts to hurt because I'm walking funny. And then my calf muscle tightens up because it's not used to it. And it's impacting everywhere. And so and I'm constantly thinking about this. So this illustration has been on me now for a few weeks, this analogy. And I'll be glad when it's over because uh, I didn't I didn't need the, the whole point. I got it already, I guess. But but every part impacts every other part. And, and the picture is that, that, you know, we're the church, right? We're the body of Christ and that every part is important. There's no, you know, less than parts or more than part. Every part, part matters and every part is important. And, and we need to be aware of that and rejoice in that and, and make sure that we're finding our parts, our place in the whole. And so, you know, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, which I'd encourage you to read. Uh, what he's really doing is he's he's talking about the the amazing way that the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives. Uh, remember, I said when we come to know Jesus, you know, we're justified, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, and then He immerses us, each of us, into the church uh, as as we become believers, because we we need that to find life. And then each of us is also given gifts, uh, at least one, and some some more than one, but we're given gifts that are to be used for the entire body of Christ. That's how it works. And, and so, and none of us gets all of the gifts. That's why we need one another. See, it's only in this context that we're complete. As we connect, then we're really, we completely become the body of Christ and every part is important. That's why some people say, well, often say, well, you know, I, I know Jesus, but I don't, I don't need the church. And I, I gotta say, we, we desperately need believers to be connected to us, to the church, because unless that we're, we're not complete, uh, you need one another. We need the relationship that takes place. Um, even the, 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 you know, you think about the fruit of the spirit that he's developing in us. It's all relational, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All those things are only further developed in the context of relationship. We need to be encouraged. We need to be loved. We need to be valued. We also need from time to time the conflict that helps us to grow. And that happens in this context. So it's vitally important that we're connected because every part makes a difference. And so, so that's what's going on in this idea of fellowship in the process. And, and this is God's plan for us to reach the world. As we come and connect to one another, it, it makes it possible for us to help the world get connected to God. It's God's design for the church, his body in the process. So we're continuing to talk about this idea of fellowship what it means. And so that's point number one in your notes. What is fellowship? 
what is it? And I, I defined it last week. I wanted to give you that definition again so you're thinking about it. Fellowship is believers in Christ coming together in unity, love, and humility to mutually support and encourage one another. Believers in Christ coming together in unity, love, and humility to mutually support and encourage one another. The, the word in the Greek language that uh, we get the word fellowship from is the word koinonia. And that word occurs 20 times in the New Testament. Uh, it means literally fellowship. That's where they get it. But the idea is a, a commonness, a, um, a common union. That's, it's also where we get communion from. It appears um, for the first time in Acts 2.42. So remember the church is, is birthed there in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and thousands are added. And now the, the church is, is just starting to spring from that process. And, and right away it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So right in the beginning, the, the value of fellowship was obviously you know, something that they wanted to get. It was they were coming together and connecting together. And as they did, they began to make a difference in the world around us. And so this is uh, vital for us to grab a hold of. Um, some weeks ago, I think you know you might have heard me tell you that um, Alice and I went with our children and our seven grandchildren to Disney World, and uh, it was an experience. It was hot. It was July, and so it was very hot. And you know, um, Disney Disney World is great to watch the kids having fun, but you know, Disney it's for me it's not like it used to be. Uh, because I can't do some of the things that I used to do. You know, I'm still fit and everything, but I can't do roller coasters uh, anymore. Uh, because like 10 years ago, it might have been 15 years ago, I don't know. Alice and I were out in an amusement park in California. Our kids were younger. And we got on this roller coaster. I love roller coasters. And it did this thing where it shot you from, from right out of the gate. It wasn't like messing around slowly getting to a place where you... Right out of the gate, from nothing to something. And it did two loops like this. And then it shot out to the end and it stopped. It was really kind of short and quick. And I was like, wow, that was crazy. Well, I wasn't aware of it was going to do it backwards. <laughs> backwards through the loops. I haven't been the same since. It changed everything in my world. I, was, I felt sick. I couldn't move. I was like staggering against walls. Everything. I had to sit for a long time. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to recover. And... Uh, so I, I stay away now from roller coasters uh, <laughs> for the most part. And that's a lot of what Disney World is. We want little rides. But anyway, I digress. Uh, that's why I've got my timer running. So what happened was in the cabin, uh, as we would sit there in the breaks, we had two of our grandchildren in the cabin with us. And uh, they played Legos. And they play them for hours. And they love Legos. And I remember Legos as a kid, but Legos are different now. Uh, and they're, they're really amazing. And all my grandkids love Legos, and they're master builders or whatever they are. And they, they're very intricate, and they, they have these things happening. Well, I, I'd seen that, and it was like, well, that's... Because when I was a kid, I had some in a bucket. You know, something silly. I don't remember ever there being directions for Legos, but now there is. Well, here's what happens. Um, as I'm watching that with the kids and I see how cool it is this week this thing comes up and it's about Legos because apparently this is the 70th anniversary of the first time they had Legos out 1949 Legos were introduced and they you know they, they came out big and then they sort of dropped off and now there's been this huge you know uh, they've come back and, and just big deal you know there's movies and there's a playground and there's all those things that they do now and yet there's been other things that have been happening I was fascinated that I didn't know about so what they've been doing over the last 10 or 15 years is a thing called uh, Lego play therapy. 
and um, psychologists and doctors and educators are using it, and they've had a, a, a huge impact on the lives of people in the, the autism spectrum disorders um, who have difficulty connecting uh, socially, and they put them in groups with their peers, and they're able to pick up significant amount of social cues just by building Legos together. They build them in a group, and they each have a part, and it's really helped them to make real connections with people. Uh, further, uh, they've been using it with uh, people that have been through trauma. these people to reconnect in significant ways it just i was amazed by what's taking place and that's a huge deal that that people who before couldn't connect are now able to connect in, in very important ways so legos are doing you know what they're supposed to do they, they connect to each other but in the process of them doing what they're supposed to do which is connect um, they're helping people to connect it's a bigger picture See, that's what it's like in the body of Christ. As we connect to one another, then what happens is it makes a way for people then to connect to God. And that's why it's so important. Not only is it important for us, there's a bigger part of the story and picture going on. So it's important that we understand that. That's what fellowship is. Now, what I want to do today is I just want to give us three sort of places for us to hang out as we continue on in this series and um, in order to connect well. And, and these are what I, I would say would be our default places to be in relationship with one another. And so the first one of the three, but it's point number two in your notes, is, is that we need to be kind and compassionate. This just needs to be our default. This is, needs to be how we're showing up uh, and what that looks like and, and that we really work on those things being at the height of our lives, being kind and compassionate to one another. Uh, and why that's so important is there's, there's, I think we, we have been really impacted by our culture in this area because, and culture impacts us. Don't, don't think that it doesn't. That everything going around us has a huge impact on us as things continue to change. And one of the things that, that we've sort of become culturally is, is way less kind and compassionate. Um, I think for a lot of the culture, it seems very rude, very short, very hurried, very kind of mean, almost spirited. And that's sort of typical of our culture and it's impacted us. And so we, we sort of move into situations. And I would say that, unfortunately, one of the default positions now is, is to be rude instead of kind and compassionate. It's rudeness. And that, that our culture has got a lot of rude things happening. I, I, you know, I see it all over and I, I, we don't want that to be who we become. But, but people have become very rude in this whole process. And so, you know, I have a couple of things to sort of help you with this idea of rudeness. First, uh, if you ever hear yourself saying, listen, I, I don't mean to be rude, but just stop it right there. Catch it right. Because no matter what you say, it's rude. I don't care that you prefaced it by saying I don't mean to be. Because, yes, you do. You're trying to sort of give yourself some room to be rude. But that's about as rude as you can be is whatever comes out next. And instead of saying it, think about why your, your, your buttons have been pushed. Because it's usually you. Uh, and, and generally it means you've got yourself stuck in the center of the story. And so something's insignificant is bugging you and you're, you're just about to let somebody else have it. Um, that's how we do it. And, and that's not where we need to be. And so if you ever hear yourself saying that, you just, you just deal with it. That means you. That's, instead of you saying it, I don't mean to be rude. Oh, yeah, that's, sorry, it's your, not your problem. It's mine. Give me a moment. Um, deal with it. The other thing that's helpful, because we want to help one another, if someone says to you, I don't mean to be rude, as quickly as you can, stick your fingers in the ear and go... 
And then pull them out. And if they try and finish the statement, just give it to them again. Because you're, that's a kindness to them. You're helping them to grow. And we're to be kind and compassionate. It's, it's us usually, you know, so we need to be looking at those things. Because here's the thing. Every person has value. Every person has worth. There are no less thans in the body of Christ. The disciples, remember that constant argument? Who's the greatest that was keeping them from really getting a hold of the whole thing? We can't go back to that. Everybody matters. And so there's, there's no reason for us to, to operate in anything but kindness and compassion because we all matter and we all make a difference. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Just that simple that we need to do that. So, third, second thing that we need to be really working on is being forgiving. We, we need to be forgiving people. Uh, Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So, again, very significant that we need to be aware of how much we've been forgiven. Which is huge. And remember, I touched on this last week when we talked about grace, or two weeks ago, that uh, God's grace is so amazing that we've been forgiven for everything that we've done, are doing, will do, forgiven. We walk in that, and that's an amazing thing. But as we walk in that, we need to make sure that um, with the measure that we're forgiven, that we're forgiving others as well. And the reality is we live in a fallen world. And because we still all got issues, we're going to hurt people and people are going to hurt us. It's one of the realities of this life. Our selfishness, other people's selfishness cause a lot of pain. But we need to be able to forgive those who hurt us. And, and we're commanded to forgive. And, and so people struggle with this. So let me say quickly, there's two things that I want to make sure. So, you know, little things... Just need to be like, you, you, little things shouldn't be an issue. You should just be walking in forgiveness for little things. Just don't let them be a big deal. They're just not. But when I talk about forgiveness with bigger things, and some of you know, it, and you, you know, I have the idea, if you knew what these people had done to me, you would never, uh, you know, consider that I would have to forgive them. And let me tell you that um, it's, it's a, because we don't really understand forgiveness, and it's gotten messed up. What forgiveness is, is forgiveness is us saying to, to God, listen, I, I just, I can't deal with this on my own. I'm giving you these people that have hurt me, and I'm just going to let you have it, and you're going to deal with it in the way that you want to deal with it. And I give them over to you. And we're commanded to forgive the way that we've been forgiven. And so we, we need to let that happen. But, but what forgiveness is not, is forgiveness is not an instant restoration of trust or relationship. There's a difference. So, so you're to forgive someone, and, and why people withhold forgiveness, I'm convinced, is they think that means they can just come back and, and do it all over again and hurt me in the same way. Not, absolutely not. Um, when, when a wrong has been done, and, and so you've got to forgive them. However, in order for that relationship on big things to be restored to the way it was, there has to be demonstrated repentance. And that takes time and action. Um, it's some, on big things, just saying I'm sorry is not enough. And sometimes people will try and use it against you that we're supposed to be forgiving. Well, I thought you'd forgiven me. And, and the answer to that is I have forgiven you, but I still don't trust you. Now, there needs to be a, a way for trust to be restored if someone really wants that in, in time and, and a willingness to, that if this can come, we can get back perhaps to that. But it's, th- th- that movement is on the person that, that, that offended and they have to make demonstrated change. Or, or you, it's not that you're not forgiven. It's just they're not trusted now. That's significant. And so we need to be people that forgive. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Big stuff, 
I know it's a little tougher, but you've got to forgive, but put some boundaries in then until you can reestablish trust. Little stuff that should just be, it should just be, I'm thinking of water rolling off a duck's back, and I don't know why, but uh, that's what it needs to be like in the process. So that needs to be it. And then third, and this is important, and this number point number four in your note, is we need to be encouraging. It's a huge part of being connected in the body of Christ. If we need to encourage one another. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Another great word that encourage, it's a, it's a compound word. Para kaleo, uh, para which means to come alongside, and, and kaleo means to call or to summon, and, and in effect we're to come alongside and, and just encourage people and help them on this journey. That word is also uh, the word paraclete is comes out of the word which is another name of the Holy Spirit because that's what he does. He comes alongside and he encourages and he helps us, and so we're to be doing that, encouragers. For years, I've done this thing with you where I tell you every day. It happens at every service. Be thankful for five things. You're going to know it the moment I say it. What's the next thing? Encourage two people so that we can get one lost child back to death. This encouragement piece is huge. And, and the thankful piece is huge. But we need to be encouragers. And I, I ask you to, to ask, actually pray about God to show you people that you can encourage every day. Because desperate people are desperate for encouragement. They need someone who just comes alongside and, and says, you know, it's going to be good. I appreciate you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Or I saw you doing this. Or I just felt like I needed to come over and say, you know, you're special or something. You, you get the idea. But... This is a huge part of being connected in the body. This, when, when people come here and we become, and we're the church gathered corporately, this should be a place of encouragement and a place of compassion and, and a place of forgiveness uh, that, that we can be all these things with one another so that we can continue to grow. So, uh, you know, let me just encourage you. That's a good place to use that word. Uh, to, to think about these things as we walk together in unity to be kind and compassionate, forgiving and encouraging. And we're going to talk a lot more about this yet in the weeks ahead, but we're going to end it right there for today. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, they're going to make sure that you get it. But let me pray for you as a group. And then we can have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, thank you so much. For your amazing love for us. You're such an awesome, awesome God. Thank you for including us in your story and for for making us your body. And and God, for uh, the joy of being connected to one another here. And Lord, help us to do that in a way that impacts the world around us for you. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again this morning for every church in this area where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them with everything they need. Fulfill the mission you've given them. Rest of your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything this morning, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations. I also think there's some here today, and again... um, you need to know your value in the Lord. You, you need to know that you're, you're an important part. And, and that's a struggle for some. And I just encourage you, if you struggle with that, to let someone pray for you and just to, to sort of speak some life into you there. 
that, that you know, God loves you and cares for you and you matter and you make a difference. And, and, uh, and, and let someone pray for you in that. So if you need prayer for those things, I'd encourage you to get them. If, if you're here uh, this morning and, and you don't know Jesus, you know, today's a day to sort of change that. It's a matter of humility and faith. And humility is just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. And you ask God to forgive you, which you'll do. And then in faith, you invite and accept Jesus into your heart and life this morning. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. Best decision you'll ever make. If you need help, just go over there and ask somebody. Say, hey, I want to know Jesus. And they'll help you through a simple prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay in our breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, draw people in, Lord, for the 11 o'clock service so they can hear about your love for them as well. You are amazing. Praise God from whom all blessings. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer will be over there. Breakfast will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot compassionate even. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.